You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to bring us a relief that brings us to rejoicing. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today what we're talking about in large part is dodging a bullet and and kind of getting away from uh, something that seems like it would be eminent doom. And uh, one of the things that uh, I thought kind of bring those things to bear is is just a few answers that uh, people put into this website named Reddit. Uh, according to a question, when, when have you dodged a bullet? And so um, uh, here's what, what a few of those people have said. Uh, so um, Alex underscore Harold writes, as a kid, after running errands in town with my mom, I was climbing into the back seat of our family station wagon. A semi-truck hit a power line pole across the street, causing the still live wire to fall bounce off the roof of the car, and hang across the open door just a foot or two above my legs. So Alex underscore Harold almost had a very shocking experience there. Nice Excitement 888 writes, I changed jobs March 9th, 2020. Two days later, my city shut down and everyone was sent to work from home. My new company committed to zero COVID layoffs. The company I left laid off about 80% of my department. Dodged a bullet. Ha ha. And Rathathak writes, I sneezed and canceled my plans to go on a bus trip while backpacking. And everyone, the, the bus was, went off a cliff and almost killed everyone. My life got pretty dark and hard to handle after that I am alive today. After that, I am alive today, I have kids today, and it's all because of a sneeze. All of those people were people that dodged a bullet in one way, shape, or form. And maybe you have a story in your life that is something where you feel like you were saved from something that could have went terribly wrong. Maybe it was something that could have brought you bodily harm. Maybe it was you were really worried about some test result and it came back and you were like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm all right. Or, or maybe it was uh, something with your job. Maybe it was something with a loved one. But m- there's probably something in your life where you feel like, wow, uh, that, that was really close. Yeah, that, that person who cut me off, they, they could have killed me, but they, they ended up just cutting me off. And whatever it is, you probably know that sense of relief 
that comes after you've had that really close moment where you've had that sort of a moment where you feel like you've dodged a bullet. You feel like something that could have gone horribly for you is now kind of okay. Well, that is kind of the, the big thing that is behind so much of the readings today, but especially our reading from Zephaniah. Of course, you are saying, oh, Zephaniah, of course, I know Zephaniah. No, you don't. You probably don't even know where in the Bible to find Zephaniah, except for the fact that you know that it's one of those really skinny books in the back. Zephaniah comes after the book of Habakkuk, and Zephaniah is a prophet. He's a royal prophet, actually. So the, the first verse of Zephaniah's prophecy tells us who he is, that Zephaniah is, is a descendant of, a, of the great kings of Israel, that he's, he's a descendant of Hezekiah. And so because of that, we know that he is a royal king. He's a royal king in the line of David, even. And he is, but he's not really kind of a prince. He's chosen a, another sort of function within the government of Israel, and that is that he is a prophet. He is likely a court prophet. And part of that might have to do with it also tells us that he is a Cushite. He's a son of Cushi, which means that he's probably of, of a mixed race. He's, he's probably Ethiopian or Egyptian. And, uh, and so because of that, he couldn't ever rise to a certain level of, of, uh, of function within Israel's government. But here he is as a prophet to the people of Judah. And he's a prophet to the people of Judah in a very interesting time. This time in, in Judah, what has been happening is that the people of Judah have been worshiping false idols. They have been worshiping all sorts of weird little gods that are made, uh, made to look like bulls or snakes or birds or whatever. And, and during this time, the king of Israel, Josiah, has enacted a sort of reform movement. And he's taking all of those idols and he's taking them out of the temple and he's having them be burned or buried or destroyed in some other way. And uh, yet, in the midst of this, he, Josiah is getting a lot of pushback for doing this, as happens in many a reform movement, that people are like, we don't want you to reform us. We want to keep our strange weirdo gods. But Josiah is like, no, I, I want to get rid of them. This is not the true God. This is making our God angry and upset. And it is. The beginning of the book of Zephaniah starts off with God telling the people of Judah through Zephaniah that he is going to reverse engineer creation. God is like, I am going to take everything that I have created and I'm just going to wipe it off of the face of the earth. God doesn't say this explicitly, but he's probably like, I only promised you that I would not destroy this thing with a flood. I have many other options. God is very upset with the people of Judah. And he is telling them that not only is he going to erase them off of the face of the earth, he's going to erase all of their neighbors off of the face of the earth. All of the other countries that are around them, he is saying, you are going to die. Well, that's, that's pretty big. That's a pretty big threat coming from Zephaniah to the people as the word of God. 
And so into the midst of that, there, there's kind of this sense of like, oh, uh, God, God kind of takes this stuff seriously. God is, is this God who wants us to only worship him. He doesn't want us to go and, and worship other gods. He doesn't want us to go in, in weird places. He wants us to only be his. And he's a jealous God in a holy way in that he wants us to be his and his alone. And so as we think about that, we, we think about what it means for us to live in a world where we could be Judah ourselves, where this word from Zephaniah could easily be leveled at us, where we could say, oh man, God really cares that we are his people and his people alone. And yet how often can we say very clearly in confession that our hearts have been divided, that we haven't loved God with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. And into that moment, God sends a promise, an interesting promise, but a, a promise nonetheless to the people of Judah. God promises just a few verses before what you heard Bob read that the people that there are going to be people that are going to be saved. And he has told his people that not everybody is going to be saved, that it is only a small amount of people that are going to be saved. And the people that are going to be saved are the ones who humble themselves. The ones who do not take a proud standing before God, but the ones who take a humble standing before God. And God promises that he will destroy the nation of Judah, which he does in just a matter of years from this prophecy, but also that he will preserve for himself a remnant. And that remnant will be filled with all sorts of people that you wouldn't expect a God in that day to save. He said he's going to save the lame and the poor. He's going to save the people that everybody else would say, well, we can just sort of cast them aside. And yet those are exactly the people that God is going to save because they are the people that are willing to humble themselves before the Lord. Those are the people that are willing to hear God's word that calls out to us to repent and to actually repent and to say, yes, Lord, I, I have done wrong. I do need your salvation. And so into that, God promises these these great things. He promises that this daughter of Zion will rejoice. And he says, O daughter of Zion, rejoice, for your king is to come into your midst. And that sets us up for understanding what's happening in the gospel reading. In this gospel reading where, where we have John the Baptist 
sending two of his disciples to Jesus and saying, Ah, uh, so are you the guy? Because I'm pretty sure you were the guy. But uh, I'm in prison. <laughs> and I, how do I work this out? And speaking of people in prison, we have Paul writing to the Philippians saying, rejoice, give thanksgiving. And where is he writing this from? Well, he's writing it from prison. All of these weird moments where people are saying, what do we do in this moment when we are imprisoned in a sinful world? Well, Jesus' response to to John's disciples is one where he doesn't actually say yes or no. He doesn't say, yes, I am the one you're waiting for. Probably because at that point, John being kind of the guy that we know John is from the scriptures, John probably would be like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, the Messiah would never say that he's the Messiah. He wouldn't say yes, he would say something else. And he doesn't say no because he is the Messiah. But instead, what Jesus says is Jesus says, look at what I'm doing. I am going to the humble. I'm going to the blind and the lame and the poor. I'm going to the ones who have humbled themselves before me. I'm going to the ones who will receive my healing And know that they need it. I am going to those folks. And I am bringing to them the good news of the kingdom. And then he goes into this little weird bit about who did you go out into the desert to see? And and basically what he's doing there is he's saying, you didn't go out into the, the desert to see somebody who was just going to tell you what you wanted to hear. God bless you. You didn't go out to the desert to see somebody who was dressed in fancy clothes and who told you what you wanted, but rather you went out to see a prophet, a prophet like Zephaniah, somebody who would give you my word, somebody who would tell you exactly what is at stake, that you could go to hell. You could go to everlasting damnation. You could be living in an eternity that is not very much fun, to say the least. That is what a prophet does. A prophet brings before you what could have happened. And then the prophet tells you what can happen. The prophet tells you of the relief that you can experience. The relief that you can feel knowing that the king, the Lord God himself, as Zephaniah says in this prophecy, the Lord God himself is in your midst. He's about to be born, folks. He's about to be born in this little backwater town of humble people named Bethlehem. 
He's about to be born into this place where he's going to be surrounded by all sorts of humble people in humble circumstances so that he can make sure that you know that the people that are gathered around him are the humble people. And so what is it left for you to do? Well, it is simply to recognize your own humility. Not in a way that makes it into being some kind of a good work either. Recognizing your humility, sometimes we say, oh, that person is so humble. They must work really hard at being humble. Humble doesn't take work. Humble takes honesty. Humble takes a recognition of who you are and how much you need a Savior. How much you need the relief that God has for you. And that is what causes our rejoicing. Our rejoicing on this pink candle Sunday does not simply come from a command to rejoice, but it comes from that moment when our heart starts beating again. It comes from that moment where we know the scary realities that could face us, but that those scary realities have been banished by a God who has come into our world so that he can be in our midst to love us, to forgive us, and to make us known. So brothers and sisters in Christ, may you this week live with the reality of how scary things could have been for you. And may you rejoice in knowing that those things have been taken away, those punishments have been removed from you by the very God of the universe for the sake of his son born in Bethlehem. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Well,